welcome to Snape Chat, the voice of the Snapedom, the podcast where we discuss all things Snape, always. Join us as we dive into the world of the bravest man we ever knew in art, fanfic, meta, and more, obviously. This is Snape-centric, episode 24, and I've got a few things for you. First, I speak with the most excellent author, Groot, about her writing, the patriarchy, and more. Then I talk to Smiling for Money and Sev Snapes about their project, the Snapedom Awards, celebrating the creativity and general awesomeness of the Snape fandom. There's also a PSA by Ron Megs about the dangers of purity culture. Enjoy the show. This is Snape-centric, and I'm here with the author, Groot. Hello. And yeah, we're going to have a nice chat. Okay, tell us a bit about yourself. So obviously I'm Australian, (laughs) (laughs) which is, I think, means the best thing about writing Fanon for Harry Potter means that I never have to worry about people picking my work because Australians and British use very similar spellings. So I don't forget my use in colour and honour and all that type of stuff. I think I'm pretty late-ish to sort of Fanon. I only really started reading and getting into it around 20, I think 2016. Um, And I used to read a lot of work by Celery Thesis, who is an amazing author. And she was very nice and supportive and we kind of were chatting in the comments and she kind of got me into writing my own stuff. So it's obviously not my day job. I don't do anything creative in my day job, but it's kind of like a creative outlet, I guess. I like writing. I can't imagine I would ever make any money off writing, but I do like sharing it with people and Fanon is such a really great way that you can get your stuff out there and people can kind of enjoy it. How and when did you become a Snape fan? Um, I think when I first started in the Harry Potter world, obviously I was a lot younger and, I, you know, I was really into Hermione, A, because there's hardly any women in the Harry Potter universe that are more than sort of a one-note thing, and I really liked her. But then as I got older and I reread the series, there was a lot about Snape that kind of rang true to me as an adult. He always seems to be like laughing at people when they do stupid things. He makes pretty cutting comments, which I appreciate a lot. And generally the whole time just to be the only person who seems to be very much aware of what's happening and irritated the whole time, irritated by the stupidity of others, irritated by people making silly decisions. And yeah, like as, I, as an adult, I thought, you know what, I re- that really appeals to me, this character. And even though he's quite horrible in a lot of ways, I have to keep telling myself that the book is written from Harry Potter's point of view. So when I was a kid, I thought a lot of adults were quite horrible. But then looking back, I'm like, actually, I was quite horrible and they were just barely putting up with me. So <laughs> yeah, I quite, I think, and um, I don't know whether it was by design or by accident um, that J.K. Rowling wrote a pretty interesting character. But yeah, that's why I like him. Is that what you like best about him as well? I think I like his moral ambiguity as well. And I think I like the way that J.K. Rowling, I felt she really wanted to sell him as the bad guy in it and put other people as front and centre as the good people. But as it, as it, again, I don't know whether she did it by design or not, but then when as the book progresses and it presented his what was obviously a, a poverty, you know, back end of poverty, a background at least of some family violence, whether it was directed at him or not, definitely neglected you know, what he was wearing and that type of stuff. And his experiences at school and bullying and that type of stuff. Whereas 
those who were played for as the um, like heroes of the story, like uh, James and Sirius and Lupin, were actually pretty selfish and horrible. And I, yeah, I think I, I really appreciated too that for a lot of people coming from type of backgrounds that, that it make makes them kind of like hard or the type of person they are, and that's not really explored in the book to any type of depth. Um, but Fennon does, obviously. So, you know, it's, he's, he's a character that you can actually take in a lot of different ways. How long have you been a writer? Oh, well, I would love to call myself a writer. I guess I write, so I'm a writer. Um, I always really liked creative writing pretty much my whole life, and I have spent a lot of time, but usually I just write stories for myself, you know, the type of person that writes little stories and puts them aside in a, for those people who are young enough not to remember, a folder on your computer that no one ever looks at or reads. Um, and like I said, when I came to Fennet, I thought, well, hang on, this is a really interesting way that you can sort of share your writing with other people and, you know, for good or for bad, people either like it or they don't. And you can almost get almost like instant gratification whether somebody likes it or not because you get the comments and the kudos. And the other thing I like about it, it's a really interesting and fascinating community and you can meet other amazingly talented people. And it was only when I got into Fennet and I started reading it that I thought, wait a minute, this writing is way above the quality of books that I am paying to read and, and art that I'm paying to look at or, you know, art that I'm buying and that type of stuff. And people are just giving it away for free because of love. So I thought, why not join that? What a perfect way to um, express myself. Let's talk a little bit about your writing process. How do you come up with your overall ideas? I kind of, some of it is based on things that are annoying me at the time. So when I started in Fanon, I was I, th- I don't know whether it was politics at the time. I think it definitely was. There was a lot of movement going back, as we've seen, as women grow more sort of emancipated and demanding more equality in the world and people of colour, is there was a lot of pushback from people in power, aka cis white men. And that really prompted me to want to write something that reflected that. And I think at the time I'd been reading a lot of quote-unquote marriage law fix and they really, the thing that frustrated me about it was a lot of non-consensual sex in it and women being forced into like basically being raped and stuff like that. And although people thought it like dubious consent or whatever. And I thought, oh my, I just want to read something where it's the marriage law, but it's kind of feminist. So that's what prompted me to write my first ever fic, which was the not so little problem. And then after I did that, I again was kind of more interested in exploring, a, which again, I'm exploring the story I'm writing at the moment, which is, well, can you ever change a culture? by killing Voldemort, right? They kill Voldemort and everyone's like, and that's the end of that. (laughs) But there's really no thinking into, well, Voldemort only grew to power because of people like Lucius, et cetera, around him because of the the centuries-old blood purity things around. Like it's very difficult for one person to change everybody's point of view to make them into something like like that and then to, to have like a, and then Voldemort died and it was the end and everyone was good. So that's why I sort of tried, um, was a bit more interested in writing. Oh, yes. I think the Ministry of Snakes series and that sort of stuff. And then after that, I really got into a bit of the prompt fests, which were the uh, Snape Fest and um, other ones like that where people put prompts and you can leverage from there. 
And that's where sort of my galleons one came from. But again, as you probably know from reading my stories, every time I write a story, I like to put feminist themes in there. I like to explore women being powerful, women being friends, and people commenting on the culture in a way that suggests that they're not happy with it or they try and change it. Kind of one of my favourite ones to do, which was the Snape Fest, was where someone, I can't even remember who it was now, prompted about Snape being a house elf. And that made me laugh so much oh. when I saw that prompt that I wanted to write that one. And again, I wrote Hogwarts are haunting and I couldn't resist it. Again, I put a lot of commentary in there about house elves themselves because of the way that they were described in the book. I don't know whether JK wanted it to be an allegory on slavery, but if she did, it was very clumsy because it seemed to infer that people liked, that house elves liked being slaves, which, I mean, nil comment there except like, outrageous and how dare you and it would only be something a white person could write and think that was fine and then I think I'd read a lot of like beautiful baby stories or like and then like Hermione and Snape had like 400 children it was happy and the best children ever and great and I have two children and I know what having children is like and I said to my witch who we do a lot of collaborating so I want to write a story I want to write a story and I'll put it in the Snape Fest, which is a very free one. You don't have to go on prompts. I said, I want to write a story about how horrible it would be to literally have a, a magical baby. And she said, and then I'll write, I'll, I'll draw you some pictures. So then we put together bringing up Baby Lord, which of course is Snape thinking it's going to be a wonderful experience, just like the Fennon about being a dad <laughs> and then actually being presented with the true horror of having a magical baby, um, which was really enjoyable and quite cathartic. I wrote one of my longest fics, Time Mutable and Mutable, because again, I like picking sort of tropes. So Time Turner is a great trope. Everybody likes writing that one. Um, I wanted to explore the kind of opposite of like a lot of stories are Snape, the mentor, Hermione, the young impressionable person. But I wanted to flip that and go, well, what about if she was the mentor and he was the young impressionable person, but then write it in a way to challenge myself that I really wasn't allowed to change a lot of time per se I mean obviously I changed it because he was alive but I wasn't allowed to change any of the history or what he did and what he didn't do and that type of stuff so I quite enjoyed that although I made a very stupid decision which I only wrote about nine other chapters and then I started posting and that meant I had to write a chapter every week and that was hectic and I would never do that again so the one I did at the moment which I'm posting at the moment PS I love you it was definitely completed over two years before I started posting because after COVID, nobody needs that type of stress in their life. And I think P.S. I Love You was prompted by a lot of, again, what's happening in the world and kind of like what happens after the fall of Voldemort when things aren't changed and everybody just goes back to the way it was. And then, again, as per usual, boiling frog type of thing, one thing changes, another thing changes, another thing changes, and then everyone's back to where they were. Because at the end of the day, there's so many people that benefit from the existing power structures that it's difficult to make changes. So it was a long explanation for those stories. <laughs> I think that's great. I really enjoy all your stories and, and you bring such a unique viewpoint to them. Thank you. And I, I, I do like to laugh when I write. So as much as People say sometimes when they're in my stuff, there's just a little bit of angst in here. I'm like, yeah, but I try and make it funny as well because life's not all about angst, right? Right. <laughs> How would you describe your personal writing style? 
I think I, I talked about this in one of the comments, some of two, two of the writers that really made a massive impact on me when I was growing up and reading. So I read a lot of Douglas Adams and a lot of Terry Pratchett. And P- Terry Pratchett particularly is a brilliant writer in terms of he creates a very interesting, fascinating story that's very funny with really rich characters, but he makes a lot of political statements in his writing and you don't kind of notice them as you're reading them because you're sort of laughing and having a great time. And um, I think he's one of my most favourite authors, brilliant writing. Um, and similarly with Douglas Adams, a lot of statements about the world and the way the world is and the way people are, but again, quite hilarious and a little bit offbeat. So I'd say they're probably the two writers that influenced me the most. I mean, it sounds a bit grandiose to say because they're amazing and very famous, but yeah, they were the people I would say that I would like to emulate in my writing. How much detail do you go into when planning a story? Like it kind of depends on the story. So with the first ones that are generally only about 10,000 words, I kind of just sort of have some main plot points figured out. Like I'll say, okay, in this chapter, like, you know, bring a baby more. In this chapter, he's going to ask Hermione to be the mother. And in this chapter, the baby's going to be born. And then in this chapter, hijinks ensued as magical baby becomes horrific, but not really sort of fleshed out. I'm a bit of a stream of consciousness type writer. So although I have a vague idea of what's happening in the chapter, I'll just start the chapter and then I'll write it to the end of the chapter. I very rarely write a bit and then come back to it. That seems to work for me. I don't know how or why, but that's how I write. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even remember writing it. Like I was saying to my which I read, I read back on some of my time mutable, mutable. I was like, oh my god, I didn't even remember writing this. <laughs> I think I had a, I think I had a young child at the time. My baby was quite young, so it was probably sleep deprived. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. When you get blocked, how do you break it? I find the best way for me is to talk to other people about it. Like Gingerbread, who right, wrote a lot of amazing stories, um, and there's one work in progress of her at one point, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. She's great. She's great at plot. And she's, there's, a, I think, in definitely in Time Immutable, Immutable, I wrote to her and went, I want this to happen, but I'm not quite sure how it should happen. And she had some great ideas. Um, and same with My Witch, who is like amazing on plot and like I'll say you know I'll write to her and go uh I don't know what I want I'm quite sure what would happen here and she's like well what about you know you've done this wouldn't this be the next natural step I'm like yes 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 that's exactly right and then also just putting it down and walking away from it and even sometimes I try the old what I used to do in at university what's it called the pomodoro or something like that you know where you just like force yourself to write for 20 minutes Oh. whatever it's called. Some, sometimes I do that. I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter what you write or whether you keep it. You just write for 20 minutes and then you just let it all come out of your brain. And sometimes there's something good in there. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Where does editing come into your process? I am absolutely horrific on spelling and doing grammar. It is not a strong point of mine. I make up grammar, grammatical things all the time. And I think in my first Think that I posted, like I had like a few people reach out and go, oh my God, do you want me to bait your stories? Because you are just making up grammar. None of like this grammar is some wild grammar that you've put in here. And bless them. <laughs> they were very helpful. So another amazing writer, Toodaloo, used to be my beta on all the, the fix I did. She was very, very sweet and very kind. Even when she would come back and go, wow, uh, you, 
Do you know what a dangling participle is? I don't know what a participle <laughs> is at all. I'm sorry. I'm sure I learned all this at school, but I don't remember it in any way, shape or form. And my witch is also a really great uh, beta. And I used her for Baby Mort. And, and for PS I Love You, as we're posting uh, week to week, so she does a spelling and grammar overview of the, the chapter. And also kind of like plot as well, because she's so, so good at plot. She'll go, actually, we've picked up this particular plot point, but I don't think you tied it up at any point in time. So we have to make sure. But yes, it, editing process is definitely somebody else. I try and proofread it, but I, me and Google Docs are basically the, as good as each other. I, I need someone else to read it because I'm hopeless. Are Snape and Hermione your one true pairing or OTP? I think they're probably the ones I like reading the most. Like I'm not against other pairs unless they're real crazy, like Bellatrix and Harry. I'm not sure I'd be into because I can't put aside some certain things. And I don't like, for example, I don't like reading Lucius and Hermione or anything like that because I think like like Ill, he's got some very particular viewpoints on her that I don't think could be resolved effectively, but not against somebody else liking that. And I think because they were the two most interesting characters for me in Harry Potter, I like reading them being interesting together. I think that the way they sort of interact and talk and the things they have in their background can make kind of very interesting partnerships. And nothing against Ron as a character. As anyone who reads my stuff will know that I don't write Ron as mean or awful or stupid, but I don't think he would have made a good match for Hermione. We'll disagree, JKR, on that. But again, again, I also think that Ginny and Harry's not a great match. And I think she did the women in the book a disservice by just like neatly pairing everybody up in these like heterosexual relationships when it didn't really match with their character, aka like Tonks, who was this badass aura who like in suddenly in one book's like, all I want to do is marry this like emotionally distant man. You're like, oh my, why? Why would you take such an amazing character? But you know, that's that's her bag. So I would say that I would most, I mean, it would be very rare for me to write another pair. I think I read a Gilderoy Snape one, which was kind of fun. And I've read some amazing Snape filch. And I'm like, if anyone hasn't read A Father to the Man, like get out there because that is going to blow your mind. Go to my author page. I've bookmarked it. It is one of the greatest stories I've ever read. It is so perfectly written. So yeah, I don't mind reading them, but I think for me, it would be basically the only one that I will write. Might as well be selfish and fan. And if I want to read about it, I might as well write it. Yeah. What do you find most interesting about them? I think I've gone a little bit into what I found Snape kind of interesting in the book. Hermione, I found a very interesting character in the book because in a lot of ways she pointed, like I like that she pointed out things that were wrong, even though everyone made fun of her, like about the house elves being like very problematic, which you can tell that JKR did not agree with her and wrote it like a big joke. But when I read it, I was agreeing with her going, yeah, like you go, Hermione, you point out how stupid all these people are that they're like treating these things terribly. And even later in the book where she is upset that they're treating creature so badly, I think she brings a lot of interesting kind of viewpoints to the book, even though she's quite ruthless in a lot of ways. And like her, I think her spelling, I want to say Marissa, Who's the one that she put sneak on her forehead? Can't remember. You know the girl oh, that yeah. Don- yeah. <laughs> so in again in the book that's kind of played like a real ruthless like thing that she did. But then if you look at the 
the true nature of it, you say, okay, so all like this was when Umbridge was in there. This is when Voldemort's basically taking over the ministry. It's a very dangerous time. It's in a dangerous time for them to be doing the quote unquote Dumbledore's army. Literally, no other person thought to take precautions but her. So everybody was just, yeah, I guess we'll just do this secrets thing and everyone will just be like trustworthy. Okay, thanks, bye. Where she was like, actually, I'm going to put something in place to make sure this is, you know. Right. So I don't know. I think, again, I found her character quite fascinating. And one of the more, I think, in-depth characters that accidentally came out through the book, and her, I think her and Ginny particularly were very interesting sort of badass women characters that then JK just kind of didn't know what to do with. So it was like brushed her hands off went, and then they got married and had children and the end. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I think that she was obviously very motivated by learning because you think that like Ron would have grown up with magic, right? So he grew up in a household full of magic, saw people using magic every day. His brothers would have been using magic, his mum and dad. His mum was using magic to like do the dishes and stuff like that, yet he could not do a spell when he was on the train to have Hogwarts. But Hermione had read all her books and did a spell to fix Harry's glasses. (laughs) So I found that fascinating too because I thought, again, without meaning to, I think JKR, with both the characters of Snape and Hermione, put forward two people who, despite coming from backgrounds of what they did, ended up in places that, because of their own kind of natures and the way they pushed themselves and stuff like that. Anyway, so I thought those two people together are interesting, could have interesting discussions and could probably get wrapped up in interesting adventures together. Do you write about other pairings or fandoms? Oh, no, I've never done another fandom. And like I said, I think I've only done a Gilderoy Snape one. So I love the character of Gilderoy. Like I love, hate him, but he's pretty fun. I mean, I've never seen never, but yeah, we'll see. I just, it's hard to, because once you sort of get in, comfortable in the head of a character and you think you've got it, it's hard to get in another one. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you write original fiction or have you considered writing original fiction? Oh, I've considered it, I would say, every now and then I think, like, maybe I should write a book. And then I'm like, oh, my God. And then I look at look out in the world of how many books are out there, look out into the world about how difficult it is to write an interesting, compelling, original piece of work and then find an editor and then, like, self-publish it or whatever. Oh, oh my God, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so I think I just get out on my joy in fanon at the moment, which is fine. I do get a lot of joy from it. That's great. Yeah, so do we. Okay. Uh, you often collaborate with the artist My Witch. What do you enjoy most about working with her? I think we're very similar in a lot of ways in terms of we, uh, like we find a lot of joy in creating, in the process of creating, and then kind of bringing that to the world and like, then like laughing and, and like having fun with other people as they enjoy it. So when I first started, like, I think, oh, what was the, we did the drawing one, the Harry Potter Redux, which was, her, you know, our take on what the books kind of like were or should have been. And we spent a lot of time sort of writing to each other and laughing about, you know, the books and, and what it should be and making up things. And it, like a lot of it's quite indulgent, I think, when we work together because we just spend so much time making each other laugh about things. And I think bringing up Baby Walt was a lot like that. 
I could write something and send her a chapter and then she'd be like losing her mind and then she'd send me a picture and I'd be losing my mind about how hilarious it was and we'd be laughing about <laughs> Lucius's face and, and then, you know, de- a depressed snake lying in a pool of sort of milk. Um, so I think it's I don't actually take I take con- concrete from her very well. Like she's really good at providing um, constructive advice and I'm quite good at taking it. Like I don't ever take offence or stuff like that. I think we work really well together. We have a lot of mutual respect for each other's um, creativity um, and creative inputs. And like it's, I don't know, I just, she's really funny and she's really smart and very, 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 very talented. Uh, and I kind of quite, every time we work together, I kind of feel a bit humbled that she takes some of her spare time to just do stupid fan and stuff with me. But we actually have a lot of fun doing it, which is good. Yes. The only one I think was a bit weird was where we did one for another Snape Fest called, I think it was Happy Birthday, where we did a year of, um, I think we t- talked about in that in the last podcast. Yes. Which was like the only one where we both went, well, this kind of ended up being a bit angsty and we didn't even need it to be. Most of the time we have fun. <laughs> even your more serious works have funny moments. Does the humour come naturally to you? Uh, yeah, I think that's my preferred state of being. I think generally I'm a pretty optimistic person who likes to find joy in even really dark moments in life. And I do think that comes through when I write things because even when I try and write something serious, I end up something like a joke in there or people sort of half laughing at each other. And it's definitely a little bit of sort of snappy bit, in there, which suits his character as well because when you read the books, he always seems to be like laughing at somebody or inwardly smiling or smirking or something like that. It's some ridiculous thing that's happened at Hogwarts or something like that. You write Snape's inner monologue so well. Is it hard for you to get inside his head? Uh, well, firstly, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say uh, no, and I think that goes back to maybe coming back to Harry Potter as an adult and really having a lot of empathy for somebody who's caught in absolutely ridiculous situations with absolutely ridiculous people and who half the time just thinks these morons, how are they alive? and irritated because you're doing very serious work and other people are either being incompetent. And anyone who's worked in any type of, like, gone to boring meetings or gone to gone to work where half the people don't know what they're doing or incompetent or, if I was going to be honest, I think it's particularly easier maybe for women or people of colour to write Snape because we've all been in situations where you're surrounded by incompetent people who have got pos- to, into positions of power because of things that were beyond their control, a.k.a. their gender at birth or their the colour of their skin and stuff like that. So it's kind of, I kind of just take those parts within me that are frustrated with living in a world where the wrong things are recognised or the wrong people are sort of put up and everyone's arguing meritocracy to each other while patting themselves on the back for, for being like beyond mediocre and that type of stuff. So I think I take a lot of those inner frustrations and experiences with the world and then put them into how I imagine he would have approached what he experienced um, within the Harry Potter world and beyond, I guess. Excellent. You sometimes take common tropes like time travel and the marriage lot and put a new spin on them. Do you enjoy bringing a fresh approach to familiar themes? I really, I actually really enjoy that. And um, I enjoy writing them myself because it's a challenge to write those sort of tropes in a different way. Uh, and also when you write them in a different way, you get to explore kind of like the reasons why people like it. Like people, the marriage law, there's a lot of questions about why people liked it. People like, it's like, you know, there was only one bed trope. 
which I have thought about. And I'm like, mm. I have thought about schoolgirl Hermione trope, but I think that's probably beyond me because of the power issues in the relationship, which I wanted. That I kind of that's kind of why I explored it in Time Mutable or Mutable as well, because it was schoolboy Snape, right? Right. But fascinating how people felt very uncomfortable with the dynamic of her as the adult and him as the student. And we're kind of like in the comments going, they're not going to get together when he's a student. And I'm like, definitely not. But also intriguing that you're very comfortable with it as her being the student, but not when it's him, which I think is great because nobody should be comfortable with that particular power dynamic. Mm -hmm. And when someone's like, you know, when you see a, a fic and someone's writing hashtag, she's of age, she's 16, you're like, oh my God, he's 36. <laughs> like, whoa, guys, come on. Even in his 20s, it's a bit, even when she's in her 20s, it's pretty dodgy. But I'm sure the feminist within me will shrivel up and die even thinking about things like that. But it also, I think the really powerful thing about Fanon is you have a lot of people consuming it, a lot of young women consuming fanfic. And I also kind of like to put those different ideas and particularly feminist themes in material that young women are consuming because it might make them think differently about things and it might make them think, actually, I don't have to accept that or, yeah, that is right, that is wrong, the way that that is non-consensual, that is wrong, that that would be an assumed thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's great to have a range of stories for people to read. Some people just like going to fan and, and having like a hot chocolate comfort story and other people like to go and find something sort of unique to read. So there's something out there for everybody. Right. In your latest fic, P.S. I Love You, wizard society is even more backward than usual, possibly even dystopian. Oh, yeah. How do you think that Snape and Hermione's outsider status makes them better equipped to fight the patriarchy status quo? Slash. Yeah, I think... And, of course, I've taken both of them. There would be a lot of other characters that could fit this. Like I think Luna would also be a good one, but I've chosen those two because those are the ones I like to write about. I think that in all the books, both of them were sort of always kind of outsiders and a reminder of their outsider status in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. constantly by characters in the books. And a lot of it was around how they were expected to behave or not behave. I'll never forget, I think there's one bit where, in the books, there's some rumour about Hermione, like, not dating Harry or, like, breaking his heart or something like that. And then, oh, yeah. And then, like, Molly sends her this tiny chocolate and it's really mean. And I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> she's a child. Why would you do this? But, and, you know, and I think I explored it in Time Mutable or Mutable in that, like, so she, you know, she was a muggle-born and her parents were obviously muggles and it, and there was a lot of effort in going to making sure Harry was protected at the Dursleys and then moving him from there. And at no point did anyone consider Hermione's parents or the danger to her. Mm -hmm. and, and I just thought, like, fast. So for them, outsider status is something that is conferred upon them in a lot of ways, but also uh, highlighted and emphasised in, like, so Snape is never really accepted as part of the order of the phoenix like people are rude to him all the time and quite mean which is something that he perpetrates as well for because obviously he dislikes most of them and you know does it for his own sort of some, maybe selfish maybe other reasons but 
and even within the Death Eaters, he's kind of like an outsider there as well. Like Bellatrix never trusts him. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes it, and both of them have a connection to the muggle world, which they never truly got rid of. Like Snape was still living in his muggle parent, muggle father's house, even when he was like, apparently like Voldemort's trusted number, whatever he was, he was still living in the house. And randomly that freaky ass rat guy was living there too, which not a lot of questions about that. But, you know, unconventional partnerships, you go, boys. And I think that so when I thought about writing this story, one of the tropes I kind of was thinking of was the traditional, like, ministry remembrance ball. And then I thought, well, if they both had a reason to almost kind of take themselves out of the magical world, that would be something that both of them would feel comfortable doing. So it would be easy for Hermione to go back to her. And, And same with, obviously, Snape seemed to be very comfortable in the magical world, but he had a lot of connections outside of that that he would, and he's a bit of a kind of a survivor. You imagine he would very easily just be like, all right, well, I'm here now and I'll just get along with it. Whereas a lot of other people would struggle to get themselves on their feet if they weren't connected to that world. So I thought I would take both of them and take them out of the magical world and then give them the, the, the sight to be able to not be the boiling frog. So as you can see, as the chapters are going on, each year they come in, there's something else horrific that everybody else has just accepted as part of the year, where for them they've come in and very, very shocked by it. And also because they're living in the quote-unquote muggle world where there's a lot of these types of cultural things outwardly discussed. It's not obviously fixed because there's a lot of massive inequalities in the world, but it's something that people often talk about and it's challenged in a way that it isn't in the wizarding world. So I thought that would be a good kind of adventure for both of them, particularly when you can also balance out Hermione's quite young. She's just come out of the, the war and she's given up a lot for the war. So if she doesn't keep going, then what is her sacrifices for? As opposed to Snape, who is has given up a lot of his life to this. And then I, I wrote it into the story that he was almost like, thanks, thanks for your work. Goodbye. You are no longer required for any of these things that we used to. You're no longer required at Hogwarts. You're no longer required actually in any way, shape or form. Thank you. See you later. Nobody really liked you. You were just useful. That kind of Dumbledore thing. Whereas he's very... He's out of it because he's like, I'm sick of it all. I don't want any part of it anymore. Where she's like, I've already done so much. If I give up now, then it's all for nothing. And I wanted that to be an interesting sort of like thing between them as well. Like, when do you give up? When do you keep going? Yes. Oh, and I also really like that uh, Snape is a preschool teacher. Oh, yeah. I really, I, I wanted that too because I said to, um, when I was writing it, I said to my witch, I'm going to make him teach nursery. She's like, oh my god, why? Because I I feel that he hated children, but little children are so so self centered and so wild, and they just say things and they just do things. And I think he would actually really respect that. He would respect the full bluntness of a five year old, definitely over the self indulgent rudeness of a twelve year old or eleven year old. Like they can be really horrible until you, until you have a big fat nose, which will cost 40,000 pounds to fix. But that is literally because <laughs> they believe that. And he's like, okay, that's, that's cool. I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Could you read a passage or two from your work? Um, I was actually thinking about what to, what to, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, uh, what, what to read. And I kind of thought maybe I'd read the um, first few paragraphs from one of the chapters in Time, Mutable, Immutable, 
Okay. Which is where we join, for those who haven't read it, it's joining Snape at the sorting ceremony where Harry Potter and Hermione Granger and Ron Reasery kind of that, that cohort are about to be about to be sorted. And I and I I chose this one because it's got his thoughts on obviously the teachers and on Hogwarts and the the kind of like kind of shit that I excuse my French would like Snape to to think about. Um and tell me when to stop, otherwise I'll just keep going. Okay. <laughs> Severus was buzzed. He didn't know what he was thinking, letting Minerva talk him into a few quick whiskies before the welcoming feast. The witch was losing her mind. He swore she was getting wilder as she aged. Well, she may have always been this wild, but he was finally seeing that side of her. He tried to look stern in preparation for the first years. Minerva had already gone to collect them from Hagrid, which meant the first years may or may not have made it across the lake. Hagrid was not on Severus's list of most responsible guardian for children list. But then again, like he wasn't at all either. Actually, neither was Dumbledore. He supposed Minerva was all right and Phileas seemed sensible. Rolanda, uh, Rolanda thought breaking every bone in her body was the standard childhood ritual, so I guess she was out as well. Now, Poppy. <laughs> Poppy was normal. Well, Pomona wasn't, but he liked her all the more because of it. Hmm. So actually, almost half the teachers at Hogwarts probably shouldn't be trusted with children. Hmm. Well, at least that seemed fairly standard as per his own experience. He drummed his f- fingers surreptitiously on his thigh. He couldn't wait for the sorting to finish and we could take them, his new Slytherins, back into the dungeons and put the fear of Snape into them. And then he'd put on the warm and fuzzy so they felt all right about their first night in a gigantic room under the lake with a squid that put its giant eye right up against the window just when the digestive system was preparing to evacuate. He'd already stocked the bathroom shelves of the dormitories with numerous contraceptive and hangover potions. Look, he wasn't in denial about what the first night back consisted of for the older students, but it was better to just stop the pretense he didn't know and just do what he could to stop any unwanted consequences. He looked up and saw Minerva leading a line of small, very nervous children. Oh, Merlin, they got smaller every year. He could see the pointy, pinched face of Draco. Oh, he'd have hell to pay if he didn't get into Slytherin. Snape had even gone to the effort of having a small discussion with the sorting hat about it. The hat had been reasonably obtuse, as expected from a magical fashion accessory. He supposed Draco would be given to him to look after, though, largely because of the enormous amount of money Lucius poured into the school. Even the hat was fiscally astute. It knew what made sure Hogwarts bread was buttered. Minerva strode forward to grab the stool. As she picked it up, she winked at him. He rolled his eyes and scowled at her. She placed the hat on the stool, and then, as every year, Severus endured the sorting stong. Fuck, it was tedious. Ugh, it was like when he was a kid and his dad got drunk and told him all about how the world was. It was the same old shit. Blah, blah. Gryffindor's <laughs> great. Hufflepuffs of Sook. Ravenclaw's a giant walking brains. And Slytherins insert some type of deviance here. Still, he listened to the song half-heartedly while he fantasized about dessert. The hat crooning its lyrics suddenly drew his attention. Oh, he thought, this year Slytherins were where people made their real friends, apparently. Interesting. That was new. Maybe there was a little thirsty in the crowd just waiting to embrace their Slytherin best friend. He snorted at that thought. Right, sure. The hat finished and everyone applauded, including Severus. He made sure his clap was very slow and deliberate, and he was somewhat pleased when Pomona kicked his shin under the table. He was blaming the whiskey. He wasn't halfway this belligerent normally. Well, okay. Okay, maybe he was. Oh, no. Minerva was up to the bit she loved. The names... He watched her unroll a scroll and put on her most important voice before declaring, 
When I call your name, you would put on the hat and sit on the stool to be sorted, she said. Abbott, Hannah. Severus watched the girl walk forward and half trip over before reaching the stool. She looks normal, he thought. Hufflepuff for sure. Hufflepuff, the hat declared loudly. Severus smiled smugly. Another thoroughly average girl walked forward and was Hufflepuffed before Severus had even time to have a sip of his wine. Pomona would be very excited to have another direct centre of the Belcourt student. And on it went until Millicent Bolstrade was called forward. A small girl with a dark hair and Susie's expression walked towards the hat and eyed it suspiciously before it was placed on her head. She seemed sensible, he mused to himself. Slytherin for sure. Slytherin, the hat confirmed. If he was ever decided to quit potion, Severus decided, he was definitely going to be the sorting hat. Except, of course, it suddenly occurred to him that the whole putting first years inside of him would become very illegal very quickly. He discarded that thought <laughs> immediately. And then it goes on that uh, for anyone reading the story that Hermione is sorted and he becomes confused because the last time he met Hermione, she was an adult woman back in his, his own uh, years at school. And then it becomes a little bit angsty and uh, I'll leave that for everyone to read. <laughs> but then he does call out, I think, at one stage, Quirrell for his outrageous cultural appropriation for wearing a turban. Oh, <laughs> that's good. What are your future plans for Snape? <laughs> It was funny. Um, after writing Time of Mutable Mutable, I really wanted to write another very long story, which is why I wrote um, P.S. I Love You. And every time I write something, I go, I probably don't know what else I'm going to write. I don't think I'll write anything else. And then I end up thinking of something else and I miss the writing process. So like it's a kind of fun and cathartic and relaxing thing for me. Mm-hmm. I have been thinking, like I said, I have been pondering kind of different tropes. I have to definitely leave the enduring pubic culture one alone after PSLW because I feel I've probably done it to death. But maybe if I can think of one of the other ones. Like I said, one of the other ones, only one dead, it seems to be a trope. Mm-hmm. Probably um, won't touch the schoolgirl one again after time immutable, immutable. Can you think of any other ones? Um, I'm intrigued. Well, we were just talking about, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot out there. Well, I'd, I'd say fuck or die, but that's not really your purview i don't think <laughs> do you know it's really funny um i get really like embarrassed writing sex scenes i find it really embarrassing to write i don't know why i don't mm-hmm. i've tried uh, obviously anyone who's read my stuff is will probably go i just don't write them and it's not that i have anything against them or anything against reading them i'm just not very good at them um there was a time when sarah celery thesis was was writing and she offered to write them for me she said you know what if you ever want one i'll you send it to me, I'll just insert it, and then you can just keep going, which was a very generous offer. I have attempted to write one for my current story. So anyone who's reading that, when you get to it and it's quite weird, then you'll probably go, that's probably why she doesn't write them. Um, But, yeah, there's definitely a few ones where I thought, if I was more brave at writing set scenes, I could probably write a few of these more intriguing ones. Maybe like potion mishap or something. That could be fun. Oh, oh yes. A lot of potion mishap ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the other thing, obviously, I enjoy, which I probably would write more of, even though he's a horrific character in canon. Um, I do enjoy writing Lucius Malfoy as to be kind of like so ridiculously vain that it become, becomes quite hilarious. I think there's a few gift stories I wrote for my witch where he's just like always taking Snape out for some type of beautification process. <laughs> and I think I even put some of them in PSI Love You, if I was going to be honest now, I'm thinking about it. 
So maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe a potion mishap could be fun. I do like a happily ever after. Anyone that's read my stories knows I only ever write happily ever after. God, the world is so full of tragedy. I feel it. I don't need to add to it, right? Oh. <laughs> I mean, most people, like people like reading angst and there's other people that do angst very, very, very well. So I will leave that to them as I leave the, the amazing sex scenes to other people. Where can we find you online? I, I, my, I do not connect my feminine life and my real life. So if you do find me online and you have figured out who I am, please like pretend to look the other way. But I am on AO3 and I am on Live Journal. So just under group, feel free to friend me or drop me a line. Everyone made the big move to dream with when the Ukraine conflict um, mm-hmm. sparked off because I think Live Journal is Russia based. But oh, yeah, I just have not, I really have not. There's a lot of stuff going on. I just haven't made the effort. So I'm still there. So as long as the Russians aren't hacking the crap out of me, then I'll still be there. Uh-huh. Okay. And yes, we'll link to your stories and, and to your life journal. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, don't, have, don't hesitate to drop a comment as long as it's not too horrible. Sometimes I laugh when people drop really awful comments in. <laughs> I'm like, why would you? Yeah. If you don't like it, just like be quiet. Just be quiet and move on. Someone's written it for free. I know. Yeah, but I I really like the interaction of fan. That's like the greatest bit of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things is why I, even though I've finished my fic, it's posting weekly is because, well, one, it does give me a first time to do the, the spag between the week. Well, I say we. I say the royal we in terms of my witch does it and I accept it all. Um, and then she puts a, an amazing bit of art together. But also in that week you can have interesting discussions with people where they're like, this is what I think is going to happen or I found this bit great or I was confused by this bit or I'd like to see this or people make guess of the plots and that type of stuff. And it's, it's one of the things I really enjoy the most about what you can get in the fandom world, which is not the same as an like original content author. You can have that, like, in, yeah, that step-by-step interaction with, with people who mostly, because they're part of the community, come to it with kind of like love and kindness in their heart for you know, authors and the content and stuff. And that's not to say that there aren't people out there that have got some, got some of their own issues. There was someone, there's someone who leaves some next level hate stuff on um, my witch's work, which is really not cool. And whoever does that, you just need to really take a good look at yourself and your life choices. Yes. Yeah. More plans maybe. I'll get my way through my this, this one, <laughs> this fic first. Well, it's so enjoyable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just love the new nugget every Tuesday. Yeah, every Tuesday. Yeah. And yeah, I hope you in, in, enjoy the way it goes. I would already, it sort of hashtag spoilers, but another thing that I wanted to focus on here is how culture has changed and who is the hero in the story and who takes and what does it look like to make decisions and that type of stuff, which I hope are a little bit sort of twisted around in this one as well. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking forward to just the whole process. Oh, that's good. Thank you so much for reading. Snape and Hermione getting through their uh, situations. Yeah. Another thing I did in that, like a kind of like a, not really a trope, but something I did in that, which has interested a few people I've noticed in the comments, is I, uh, I gave Snape a functional adult relationship with somebody else at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that is because in a lot of the fix I read, like he's really fucking awful to Hermione. Like he treats her really badly. And it's a lot of that kind of like women need to fix men 
or women need to be forgiving towards men or women need to like, um, it's up to women to make a man better and that type of stuff. And I thought that that's with the power imbalance already between them about the age. I didn't want to write a story where a young, a very young woman was paired with a much older man and then it was her kind of like responsibility to just accept if he was like awful to her. So I thought, well, I want him to be in a more equal power relationship at least first. And as part of that, when you're equal power with a woman your age who has like experience and that stuff like that, you learn pretty quickly the acceptable ways to act right. and to treat other people because they don't just, older women don't put up with that fucking shit from dudes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, that's definitely why I put a relationship with him. Uh, with, she's called Hannah in the story and she's like a, a badass sort of barrister and that type of stuff. And people are like, what's this about? I'm like, this is about him also not only learning how to be a friend to Hermione initially, but also actually this is how functional relationships work and this is how, you know, you interact with people in a more positive way. Anyway. Right. It sounds wild, but that was what I wanted to do as well because, again, I was sick of reading stories where, like, he's really mean to her and then the story kind of is like, well, like, shrug, guess he had a shitty upbringing, so it's cool that he's really mean to her. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I think it like it's a little bit of a spoiler, but ahead in the story, somebody says, this, Hermione says, it's not up to me to fix him. It's up to him to bring his best self to the relationship, which I think is an important lesson. It's an important lesson for Snape to read, but also I'd like to think an important lesson for any young women reading it to read. Oh, so good. Well, Groot, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. It's lovely to chat. Yeah. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye. If you haven't read Groot's amazing writing, run, don't walk, to AO3. It's Groot with three O's. We also have links at our website at snapechatpodcast.com. And now for a talk with Sev Snapes and Smiling for Money about their monumental project, the Snapedom Awards. Snape-centric. I'm here with Sev Snapes. Hello. And Smiling for Money. Hello. And we're going to talk about the Snapedom Awards, which they've come up with and have done a great job of picking out the best of the Snapedom. Yes. So how how did you come up with the idea for this? Uh, Yeah. So originally I saw um, Marauders fans doing on Twitter and it was very much uh, sort of popularity contest more than anything. It was all about the users rather than what they actually contributed. Oh. So I thought, well, why not we why do a Snape version, but it's more about the content the actual individuals. Yeah. And then so I sort of I sort of put a post out saying, would anyone be interested in it? And people had interest. And then Becca and also Alyssa said, you know, do you want any help? So I sort of put, put a team together. Snape. Yes, the snitches as we call themselves. <laughs> The, the snitches? Yeah, Snape's yeah. bitches. <laughs> oh, I like that. Okay, Snape's bitches. Yeah. Okay. How did you go about the process? Well, it was kind of a um, a bit of a sort of work in progress as it went. I've certainly never done anything like this before. So it was very much sort of putting the feelers out, seeing who was interested in it, who, you know, what kind of categories they'd want, and then 
putting the feelers out for nominations and then once we had enough of those in getting the votes out as well mm-hmm. but I do think like if we do it again next year it'll probably be more of a structure rather than kind of playing it by ear which is kind of what we did you got to learn as you go along when you start something new yeah exactly it's kind of a trial run and then maybe we'll try and do it a bit bigger next year is there something else that you'd like to say about the awards before we kind of get started with saying the winners and stuff? Uh, well, definitely I couldn't have done it without Becca and Alyssa. I mean, I know I kind of did most of the legwork, but I very much needed them as soundboards. Just tell me what ideas are rubbish. <laughs> what ideas are good. And we were just kind of going, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah go ahead, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great yeah I definitely want to you know put out there that Alyssa was a big part of it as well obviously she's not round on Tumblr anymore oh is is the Snape Silly Incantations was it was that her yeah. oh oh no did she leave for bad reasons or yeah I think she just deactivated because she just needed a bit of a break uh-huh maybe getting too much hassle from antis or or something like that yeah yeah I think she had a couple of um nasty people around. yeah yeah there is so much of that going on right now it's not funny oh, I'm sorry that she had to go through that yeah we are too yeah okay well why don't we uh get to the categories and the winners yeah so the first category that we announced was this favorite smutty one shot which was won by our very own Cessnips with the potion <laughs> covered yeah and we also had the next two were only on AO3, so I couldn't uh, link them back to Tumblr's, but we had Star Kids, Pretty, and then, oh, I'm going to try and pronounce this, Snigorochka, with five times, Lupin and Snape, should not have had sex at all the headquarters, but did couldn't help. Oh, <laughs> yes, I've heard of that one. Yeah, I haven't actually read the second two, but the first one was brilliant. I love that one. Well, thank you. That was, <laughs> that was actually the first one shot that I ever wrote about Snape and it was quite a few years ago so I'm surprised that that came up because I didn't think that people cared about it after all the time but apparently people still like it which is nice. Great so that was the smutty one shot. Yeah yeah and then there's favorite not safe work headcanon post which again was one of my Seth Snapes with Snape masturbating (laughs) and second place with Snape Snapes with Snape's first time. Actually found with the headcanon post categories I might not do them again next year because they didn't get many nominations uh-huh. and the ones that were oh, okay. <laughs> as, as wonderful as you are they weren't yeah there wasn't much variety in what was yeah sort of submitted so I might not do that one again next year yeah and then there were favorite angsty one shot oh, I'm gonna have to try and pronounce this but Vagis which that one was one of those, that was served to the incantations so we're not link on the original post that since her stuff's all gone now yeah then there was also insomnia aesthetic forgive me darling and somebody random 890 with a real wizard actually i don't think i read any of those oh i read Alyssa's. i'm sure i think i will have read insomnia aesthetics because i've read i've read i think everything that they've written but i don't i don't know the last one yeah that was a uh that was another ao3 one ah oh okay Okay, so next was, yeah, favourite fluffy one shot, which was Bus Stop, which is by Typing Keys 11, who after getting all these wonderful 
graphics done by Becca, I discovered I actually did have a Tumblr, which was Scribbler Spot. Ah. And then seriously Snape, an extra push, and Bush Viper Cutie with a warm kiss. My stop, I think, was a one-shot based on her fic, I think. Yeah, it is. It's based on her fic, which won one of the other categories as well. Yeah, and then favourite safe for work headcanon post. Again, Surf Snapes, t- just absolutely sweeping the board. I just, I write too many headcanons, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Sacred Snape as well with her uh, period pains post. Yeah. But again, like I said, with the other headcanon posts, there wasn't a lot of nominations, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there many headcanon posts out there. There really are. But I feel like there's been less recently. So not like seeing them as much and yeah. just picking like old favourites or something. Yeah. But again, that's one that we'll probably sort of look at doing again next year or not. Mm. Oh, the next one's my favourite category. Snape OC Fix. My favourite category because I'm in it. <laughs> 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 that was Typing Keys 11 again with uh, the first choice. Sure, I hadn't actually heard of it until so we did this, so I, I need to read it apparently. Yeah. Um, in the second place, Smiling for Money, Soul of Ice, and then Seth Snape's again with Princess Cosmetics. This is basically it, Seth Snape's now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly did not expect nomination, and then I ended up in like a million categories. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> you have you have people who love you. Clearly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's nice to see another um, OC fit come out that I haven't actually heard of before. So that's definitely on my to-read list now. That's part of what it's about, isn't it? Like spreading sort of positivity in the fandom in a way that's like discovering new things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in finding stuff that you sort of hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was Snape and canon character fic. So one of that one was Morbid Much, which is All That You'll Be, which I'm not sure. That was the shit. Oh, that was Snemini. Oh, okay. And then the runner ups up we've got Bunny Bopper with Creature Comforts, which was Snoopin. Okay. And this one, yeah, Snegorochka, the great Hogwarts Christmas gift exchange debuff of 1996, which is a nice, chunky one. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, like, personally, I don't, I don't read a lot of canon character stuff myself, so I haven't read any of those. You're mostly into OCs. Yeah, or reader inserts, just because I don't think the kind of characters deserve him, to be honest. Oh, okay. And um, I also agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're actually going to be doing a Snipe and OC show, so. Uh, sign me up for that one. And me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's really thick. That one was, Alyssa, again, that was Seb Silly Incantations with the Black Cat. Uh, which was great and I, I know she has it safe somewhere because she's told me I'm going to try and get her to upload it again because it was it was just very fun it was a very fun fix it wasn't it was yeah but I didn't finish it unfortunately oh before it went so, yeah <laughs> but it was it was fluffy as well like a good amount of nice comforting stuff yeah and because he was a cat the whole time it obviously wasn't smutty yeah which <laughs> I know a lot of people like you know that's the main driver but it was it was nice to see something that was just a bit different yeah yeah and then Second place is Witch Imagine fanfic, Broken Silence, um, which I know is a very popular one. Like, again, I've not read it. It sounds like I don't read much, but I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible to read everything. I I try, but yeah, it's impossible. There's a lot out there now. We were just saying that tonight, that it feels like all of a sudden it's gone from like five fanfictions on AO3 to like millions since the beginning of this year. Oh, wow. 
Uh, by the way, I have been enjoying Soul of Ice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, so Broken Silence, and then third place was a draw between Insomnia, Aesthetic with Promise, and then also Measured with Stars on the Staircase, which is, I have read, and is my favourite, and I absolutely 100% recommend, because it's just brilliant. Great. Then, okay, so that's all the fan fiction ones. Do you want me to do a, a section? Yeah, do you want to do art? Because my voice is going. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one for the art categories is favourite funny art. So the first, uh, the, the winner of favourite funny art was uh, Shabet with He Stealed a Toad. Um, <laughs> and the runners-up were Emily's Cartoons with I See You Shiver and Luna P999 with Halloween Costume. I just want to just clarify some of these art ones. Obviously, they, people don't always put titles in. They just kind of put captions. So I just kind of got a title. Like <laughs> so Some of them I gave them a title. So I hope that people don't mind the titles I've given them. <laughs> Description. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next category is favourite not safe for work art, which the winner of that category was The Tales of Prince with Bruises and Scars. And runners up. Oh, that was a beautiful piece. I was yeah. I mean, I feel like all of the art that got picked out in this was just mm. chef's kiss. Second place, Teppin Simp Vlog with Shower Sex. And third place, Chip Artwork with Lust. Oh, yeah. And then we're on to favourite meme. Yes. This was, <laughs> these were kind of in a random. <laughs> so um, here's another one with Smiling for Money, uh-huh. who, who came first with Snape's plaque. Oh, yeah. Second place, Dermot with chest of my treasures and third place top-notch tomfoolery with snape's leg i was surprised that um plaque one took off so much as it did to be honest it I'm was sure, genius i'm not sure i even tagged it you know i think i just put lol it's snape's plaque <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the original like picture is someone's memorial plaque on a bench it says in memory of whoever who hated this park and everyone in it yeah and i was just like snape that's so snape <laughs> snape vibes oh totally the next category is favourite angsty art and we had a draw for this one so the first place goes to Snake Queen 7 with Don't Forget and also Coat and Tails with Regret which rhymes no Um, second place Cappy Snape Art with Snape in the bathtub and third place Sophia Displeasure with Coke with Memories Uh uh-huh Actually, Snape in the bathtub was one a piece that I commissioned from from Cappy. Oh, oh if, I think I reblogged that the other day, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> you were talking about Snape in the bath, as I often do. <laughs> yes, because you love yeah. Snape in the bath. Yeah, it's my twin passions: baths and Snape. Favorite fluffy art. So that goes to Robe and Wand with old books, and then second place, Mikori with Happy Papa. This was another one that like we didn't get a lot of nominations for, hence why there's only two, because we didn't even have more than two nominations. So I think, again, next year we need, really need to push the nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of fluffy art out there. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Teen snap art. So the first place, Ham, I'm not sure how to say this, Ham Tui Tui? Tui Tui, I think, yeah. Um, with Puberty. Second place, Sikarina. With young Severus Snape. Is that not someone that's on Tumblr? No, that was one on DeviantArt. Ah, okay. okay. And then third place was a draw. Natsonokorinsu with What Have You Done? And Severus Snape with Two Scrappy Kids. Oh, yeah. 
And then favourite Professor Snape art, first place Cappy Snape art with First Day, second place Suffer My Displeasure with Smoking Snape, and third place Serpenera with Bearded Snape. <laughs> which, which was dedicated to you? It was dedicated to me, actually, yeah. <laughs> she, she really wanted me to, to love Bearded Snape, and I ended up loving Bearded Snape. So. <laughs> well, what a doubt, you're going to love a form Snape. Well, exactly. <laughs> Favourite Snape OC art... My Obscure Imaginarium with Pensieve. Yeah, which actually was a commission for the first choice, which was the OC fit. Ah, okay. Fun fact. Oh. Second place, Turpin Simp Blog with In the Forest. And third place, Pangolin 2B, 2B, Commission Open, currently, with Snape Saves Abbey. Yeah, so those last two were my commissions. So I was quite pleased to see those getting good. Yeah, they were lovely pieces, actually. So it's uh, favourite Snape and canon character art. First place, Ershabet with Severitus playing. Second place, Nikori with Snoona in Snoona in Sunny. And third place, B-Box illustrations with Babysitting Draco. How did you say that? Uh, Which one? Severitus. Severitus. Severitus, interesting. Is that not how you say it? I don't know. I always pronounced it as Severitus. Oh, okay. But a little I'm, flourish there on the eye. <laughs> is it like what? Where does that come from? I don't Severitus. know. It's like I, I never managed to figure out how that word put together. Yeah, I don't. I'm I just, just accepted it. Obviously, the Sev and the Us are from Snape, but like, what's the is? <laughs> yeah, where's the itch come from? <laughs> We're on to favorite literary analysis. Um, so first place is Pet Genius with a complex and many layered thing. Oh yeah. Um, second place, Ashes and Hackles with the abandoned boy and his problematic fathers, Snape with Voldemort and Dumbledore. And third place, the witch's son with something endearing about Snape. I like this one. Destroyer of Snaters. <laughs> and so first place, Moonlight Dancer 26. Second place, Half-Blood Prince's Crown. And third place, Severus-ish. And then funniest blog, first place, Severus-ish. Second place, Half Blood Prince's Crown, and third place, Some Snape Fan Two. I actually got a nomination for the funniest blog. No, it's just like that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, are you sure about that? Are you sure you would put me in there? Yeah, you're like naturally <laughs> funny. <laughs> so now we're on to a Snape of like yeah, like Snape, the man himself. Yeah. Oh, so the first one yes. is um, book scene that should have been in the films, and the first place was. The Goblet of Fire pyjama party on the stairs. I hope everyone is happy that I called it that. Pyjama party on the stairs. <laughs> I love that you called it that. <laughs> oh, yes. I think we all know what scene that refers to. Because, I mean, we got to see Snape in that nightgown. I know. <laughs> Second place, Snape going ape shit in the hospital wing in Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and third place, the full flight of the prince scene. Yeah. Those are all good scenes. Yeah, and uh, also shout out to everyone in the vote who wrote in all of the above. It <laughs> <laughs> was like three or four people who did that. Mm-hmm. Right, so here we go. Snape's funniest moment, and the, the winner of that was Ghosts are Transparent. Yes. <laughs> Second place was Would You Like Me to Do It Now or Would You Like a Few Moments to Compose an Epitaph? Yeah. And then third place was a draw between, this is quite a long one, <laughs> Potter. When I want nonsense shouted at me, I shall give you a babbling beverage. And Crab, loosen your hold a little. 
Longbottom suffocates, it will mean a lot of tedious paperwork, and I'm afraid I shall have to mention it on your reference if you ever apply for a job. <laughs> and that drew with, or maybe, said a very cold voice right behind them, he's waiting to hear why you didn't arrive on the school train. So many gems. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That was yeah. all of them. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So it sounds like you're considering doing it next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I definitely feel like this year was like a trial run. I've noticed the blog that's doing the Snake Big Bang, which, by the way, I love that it's being called the Snake Bang. Yeah. Um, yeah, Snake Bang. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really liking the way that they're sort of promoting at the moment. So they've got a schedule, they've published the schedule, and they're sort of reposting their advertising posts quite frequently. So I think probably next year we'll probably do something similar to that, mm-hmm. as in plan exact dates when things are going to open and close. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, just to help motivate people to get stuff in. And then, you know, if we also sort of do the multiple posts as well, that'll hopefully help to sort of keep people aware of it. And get the word out of it as well. Because mm. I think, you know, it's like if, if we reblog it, that's just us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's kind of just coming from us and we're the ones that are running it anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think three of us all managed to get a fair amount of nominations because a lot of the people nominated were our followers yeah so I mean it kind of makes sense that we were all getting nominated by that but yeah obviously we, we didn't do it as a celebration of ourselves no <laughs> not intended no. <laughs> no but you're very talented oh thank you <laughs> yeah yeah we definitely wanted to try and sort of celebrate everyone and you know give an opportunity yeah. to see different mm-hmm. um different arts and fix that hadn't really been like brought to people's attentions before. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, that's always good. I definitely think we're succeeding there in some way. There are definitely some out there that I've discovered that I didn't know about before. Yeah, same. Yeah, but I definitely think there's scope for a lot more. Yeah, and if, if you, like by this time next year, they'll be so much more created as well that they'll be we'll be able to celebrate through it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that latest art that I commissioned, I'm definitely nominating that next year. Like every art category. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> uh huh. Sure. Okay. All right. I don't know. I was thinking, I don't know if you heard the last show, but alwayssnape.com has just launched. Yes, I did see I did see that a couple of posts about that. I was wondering if if something with them, I don't know, if people could go to a site and have a form or something. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely up. So that's that's another thing that sort of struggled to figure out what was the best way to do it was getting the nominations in oh sure my biggest fear was that because what happens on the, twi- the twitter nominations and stuff a lot is that people just keep submitting the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. so i wanted to kind of avoid that by having people have to do it in in the ask box on their own accounts okay i think maybe in retrospect that didn't work so well so we'll need to sort of try and find a way to make a bit of a happy medium with that yeah sure well we will have links and I sure appreciate your time, South Snapes, and smiling for money. Thank you for having yes, us. Thank you. You bet. Okay, take care. Thank you. You too. All right. We will soon have a page for the Snapedom Awards. It's a work in progress. And now here's a message from Megs about purity culture.
Hi fandom friends, it's Megs here with a very important announcement. I'd like to thank the HP Fanfic Writers Guild for compiling and sharing the following information, which deserves to reach as many of us as possible. Snapechat and Care of Magical Shippers stand 100% behind this message and encourage the practices mentioned to keep our fandom family safe. We love you and we want you all to stick around. Over the past few years, there has been a palpable uptick of harassment, threats, false accusations, and even doxing creators in the Harry Potter fandom. Authors have been attacked for everything under the sun, from the content of their fics to their personal information, such as their age, race, career choices, and more. I've personally witnessed this, and I'm sure many of you have as well. Sadly, it's only gotten worse. Ultimately, these purity police have been successful in chasing creators entirely out of fandom. Some creators have removed their entire catalog of works, and they are no longer posting their works publicly. It's heartbreaking, and we fear there may be more if we allow this behavior to continue. If you want to know how to help the cause to fight purity policing, either yourself or your friends, here are some ways to get involved. Stand with the Jegulus authors and join their No Post November movement. Though originally centralized around James Potter slash Regulus Black works, consider showing your support for fandom by not posting during the month of November. Find the original post on Fuckboy Regulus's Tumblr page or the No Post November tag. Other ways to shut purity culture down include 1. Locking your stories to AO3 members only. Monitoring all your comments and deny anonymous commenting. Delete any inbound comments on your works or social posts that encourage or condone purity policing. This may be for your own sanity, but it still cuts their movement off at the knees. Two, publish morally ambiguous content with reckless abandon. This year, HB Dead Dove December is encouraging the creation and posting of Dead Dove works throughout the month of December. You can find more information at hp-deaddovedecember.tumblr.com. Three, speak up. Tell people you don't approve of purity policing and call it out when you see it, especially in spaces where it runs rampant. We do recommend protecting yourself. Utilize a fandom account that cannot be traced to your personal identity. Leave kudos and comments and otherwise support commonly purity police works. All our stories are important. They have meaning because we made them. We don't need to justify their existence. They belong here, and so do we. Learn more about purity culture and its dangers at fanlore.org wiki purity underscore culture underscore in underscore fandom. Stay safe, support one another, and above all, keep creating. There are so many ways to curate your own experience, with tags, blocking, and other things. There's no reason to go after another fan because you don't like the content they create. If you don't like it, don't read it. And your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. Even if these sound cliche, they are absolutely true. And there you have it. Thanks again to Guest Group, Smiling for Money, and Seth Snapes for appearing on the show. Thanks also to Megs for recording the PSA about purity culture. Check out our FicRex page on our website at snapechatpodcast.com for links to Groot's wonderful stories. 
There's also a separate page for the Snoopdom Awards. I'm still working on it as of this recording. You can also go to their blog at snapedumawards.tumblr.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr and Twitter. Email us or leave a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Many thanks to Nix for our continued work on our website at snapechatpodcast.com. Be sure to check out Care of Magical Shepherds podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay starky.